Hello and welcome back to our weekly episode of the football podcast, Football Chance, a rant with the plants, with me, Lauren. That'd be Graham. Happy bank holiday, Dad. You enjoying the nice weather, nice sunshine? Oh yeah, it could be hotter, but yeah, it's nice, nice Potent- change from the rain. Yeah, potentially having our first barbecue of the year. Is it a wow. bit late, do you reckon? Oh, definitely too late, yeah. Too late. June. Yeah, that is true. I think it just shows what the weather's been like. But barbecue aside and bank holiday aside, there's been loads of football still to discuss, despite the fact, obviously, the Premier League has officially finished. So I'm going to round up the Champions League final. Dad, you're going to round up the Championship playoff final. Then I'm going to round up some of the key results, really, across Europe and the leagues and who's won the leagues over there. And then also you're going to round up, is it the National League playoffs, as well as some rants and raves, barnets and ones to watch in between all that. So I suppose to start off with, with the Champions League final, I kind of jinxed actually last, uh, yeah, last week I said it could be a great, a great occasion for Manchester fans with the Manchester United and Manchester City both in these huge finals. And as a result, um, I basically jinxed them because it was Manchester City versus Chelsea in the Champions League final. And Chelsea won 1-0 with a Kai Havertz 42nd minute goal. 60% possession for City, one shot on target. Obviously, this is the big trophy. And Chelsea now have won it for the second time in their history since um, 2011-2012 season. I've never seen you so passionate, actually, whilst watching a team that isn't Blackburn Rovers on the TV, Dad. You seem very frustrated, mainly for a couple of players in Manchester City. Where do you think it all went wrong? Uh, I think the general formation and just the way he set them up and just didn't seem to, I think, I'd have probably put Fernandinho in, I think. Maybe mm-hmm. it was probably a night when you might want to play a uh, traditional centre-forward, potentially Aguero, give him a, give him a start. But just, it just, and then they couldn't really... Make, Tuchel obviously uh, outfoxed him, I think, by the looks of it. Well, that's his third time in a row now that he's outfoxed him. So Kante, I think, was probably one of the outstanding players. But then you were really praising Rhys James and Ben Chilwell. They seem to have a fantastic match. If you're Gareth Southgate, obviously they've both been named in the provisional 33-man squad. Based off their relationship, would you potentially start both of them, Rhys James and Chilwell? Obviously you've got Kyle Walker, Trippier... Would either of those two be in your starting lineup? Um, I think James might just get in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, possibly. So, yeah, obviously going back to the Guardiola tactics has been so much about the fact that Rodri and Fernandinho, their holding midfielders, were both on the bench. Instead, he chose to start Sterling on the left flank. And I've kind of been looking at the past results and who he's played. And against PSG, he played Rodri in the first leg, Fernandinho in the second leg. Against Chelsea specifically, back in April in the FA Cup, he started both of them, but they still lost 1-0. And then early May, he started just Rodri and they also lost 2-1. So I just personally think Guardiola has obviously really overthought the situation. He's kind of thrown everything in when he's played against Chelsea. He's had two holding midfielders. He's had one holding midfielder. Now he decided to have no holding midfielder. Um, Is it a case of Guardiola just maybe got too much into his own head? Uh, possibly, I think they'd I'd never won it before, so I think it was a big. Mm-hmm. Even just the atmosphere, the Chelsea fans seemed a lot more relaxed than the City fans. Yeah. It just seems like it just uh, City almost they, they just didn't think they could win it. I don't know; it's a bit weird, really. Being the underdogs, it seemed to work in Chelsea's favour. So obviously, Chelsea did fantastic. I've kind of put a lot onto Guardiola's tactics, but I think it's really exciting for them for next season. You've got to obviously 
surely now they'll be tipped as one of the front runners. I know they've been a bit behind City in the Premier League, but this will give them a lot of hope. And I think Havertz seems to only be getting better. Werner, um, he missed uh, quite a few opportunities. But you'd think, I think he's the kind of player that next season he's got to be getting over 20 goals because he could be scoring a goal every match at the moment. And obviously Ziyech, he's kind of in and out of the team. So... Yeah, I think exciting times for Chelsea. They're exciting times and just a frustrating night for Manchester City. They just didn't ever, ever really look like they were, well, maybe a bit at the end looking like they were going to score. But yeah, it was it was a very entertaining Champions League final. But congrats to Chelsea. Yeah, well done, Chelsea. And the uh, massive match at Wembley, of course, on Saturday. Three o'clock kickoff traditional. Thomas Frank led Brentford out into the playoff final against Swansea. I mean, Brentford on form for the whole season, third position, strong team. But of course, the playoff history is pretty shocking. Nine previous playoffs they've been through, never got past one. Uh, this was their fifth final. So uh, they would be desperate to get through this one, that's for sure. So um, they finished third. They had a 21-game unbeaten run. So they were uh, probably favourites on form, but mm-hmm. uh, Swansea have got that Premier League pedigree, really. Of course, last year... Uh, I said that run of defeats, they lost 2-1 to Fulham last year in the final. So uh, They've not played at the top level since 1946-47, never played in the Premier League. Uh, and there was apparently a fan, Brentford fan there, who'd watched them in the 1946-47 wow. season. So that's, that's a nice touch, isn't it? Nice. But they, uh, they absolutely bossed the game. Swansea never quite turned up, just shot of 12,000 fans, 5,000 from each team. Uh, watched a fairly easy Brentford win, really, 2-0. Literally from the first attack, uh, they won a penalty. And, of course, Ivan Torn has stepped up and scored his 11th out of 11 penalties this season. That was his 33rd goal league goal of the season, so just finished off a brilliant year. Swansea pushed forward straight away, and literally 20th minute, Mark Condes, quick counter-attack to Swansea's box, and uh, he got the second goal. So Mark Condes, second goal, 20th minute. And that really was that. Never really much pressure from Swansea. Never had a single shot on target. Uh, they had Fulton sent off. A little bit controversial, but he was sent off in the 65th minute. So really the game was it's probably over by then anyway, but we just couldn't seem to get through. Swansea, last two seasons now, Brentford have knocked them out of the playoffs. So they won't be doing that next year because they'll be in the Premiership for the first time. The 50th team to play in the Premiership. Oh, okay. 50th different team. Yeah. Uh, I have to try and name the 49. That'd be interesting. Gosh. Steve Cooper, the manager, obviously fed up, but never really, said so they never really got going, never had a shot on target. So great to see Brentford in the Premier League. That's going to be quite interesting, actually. Uh, they've got a good, solid squad. Obviously, they've got Tony if they keep hold of him. Newcastle, I'm sure they wish they'd held on to him when he went to uh, Peterborough in 2018. Brentford paid Peterborough five million for him, next to nothing, Bargain, really. Yeah. Uh, 33 goals. If they can hang on to him, that's going to be a real plus. They've got some good players. David Raya, we know from Blackburn in the squad, good player in the Nets, Pontus Janssen and lots of others. So they've got a solid squad. Uh, they committed they're going to buy some players probably. So it uh, be interesting to see who they get and what that looks like and if they hang on to Tony. But um, yeah, I think it's going to be a challenge for them, obviously. They're going into the new stadium. Well, they're in the new stadium now, 17,500 capacity. I went to the old ground, which was... Nice ground, actually. So this is um, the new ground. Have they completely enough. knocked down the old one? And I think so, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah I think so. Uh, I mean, the past seven seasons, the team that's won the playoff final have finished in the Premiership 18th, 17th, 19th, 16th, 18th, 19th, Gosh. and 20th. So the record tells you they're not going uh, to win the league, necessarily. 
Uh, what it does tell you is they're gonna it's gonna be a real tough sort of thing to be able to survive in the Premier League. Um, so that's gonna be really interesting. But they'll give it a go. Of course they will. And uh, in Thomas Frank, the Danish coach, they've got certainly got somebody who uh, seems to be uh, really positive, really doing well. And uh, yeah, they thoroughly deserve. If you take the whole season, finish third, they absolutely deserve to go up. So huge well done to Brentford. So my rant this week, it's a little bit vague, but I'm going to be reflecting on the European leagues and who's finished where and who's won what a little bit later. But I have noticed there were some really dramatic final days worth of matches, in particular in La Liga as well as the French League One. But I found that the TV coverage from me just browsing, trying to look on Sky or BT, I haven't really come across much TV coverage of these European leagues. I think La Liga might have its own TV channel. But yeah, I was just trying to look for, for where I could actually watch it because it was really dramatic. But I feel like we haven't had that much coverage on it over here in the UK. Might just be being a bit naive. But yeah, so I think in future, I probably would like to see a few more matches aired on channels that we can access like BT and Sky Sports but um, yeah and it's certainly not going to change that just because of me wanting it to be a bit easier but overall that's why I enjoy the Champions League so much I think because they're teams that we don't normally watch on a on a weekly on a weekly basis I suppose um, so so yeah that's my rant this week is it making you I'm a cough of yeah it is go on then what's yours uh, yeah mine's uh, oh I'm back to Tottenham since we talk them every week but mm-hmm. just the stories uh, obviously looking for a manager and um, when they recently started to rumour that Pochettino might be coming back um, so I mean they sacked him and probably paid him quite a lot of money to leave uh, and they're allegedly going to pay PSG ten million to get him back. I mean, it just seems Daniel Levy's losing the plot, really. He is a um, Disney, yeah. So I just, I just think if if that is the case and it does happen, then uh, it's just absolutely ridiculous. I don't but, mind the idea of him coming back, though. Well, I think the idea of him coming back, it's one thing. I think. But you think the money, the fact they well, got think, rid yeah, of him, just, you know, get rid of him, then bring him back, and in the middle of all that, mm. it's millions and millions and millions that could have been spent on something far better. I'm sure. Yeah, okay. So you're thinking potentially, do you reckon he will leave PS3? I think PSG are wanting to hold on to him. Well, if they want him, they'll keep him. I don't think he'll, you know, if he's happy there, he'll stay there. They've got Real Madrid without a manager as well. So, I mean, he can probably pick and choose, I would think. But um, I think he'll stay at PSG. I don't know who'll go to Tottenham. I've still got this strange feeling Rafa Benitez land up there, which the fans wow. don't. I don't think the fans will be overly excited, but uh, he absolutely wants to come back to England, uh, the Premier League, and absolutely... On paper, has got great potential. It's just a great record, past record, but it's just, I don't think the fans yeah. will be that chuffed. Either way, whoever's going to take it over is going to have a huge job because, well, if Kane leaves, then that's going to be huge for any manager. So we shall see. So I'm going to round up the European leagues, Spanish La Liga, German Bundesliga, French League One and Italian Serie A. And I'm going to start off with La Liga and it finished Atletico Madrid top with 86 points. So they won it only two points ahead of Real Madrid, 84 points. And then Barcelona were third and then Seville in fourth. And Atletico Madrid are the only club to have disturbed the Barcelona-Real Madrid duopoly. How do you pronounce that? Duopoly in 17 years? Do you even know what that means? Uh, I think they've both, one of them's won it. 
Every okay. Year, yeah. They last managed it in 2014. So it's a huge achievement by Atletico Madrid and Diego Simeone, who's um, actually played at Atletico Madrid and obviously now managing them. I think there used to be a lot of talk about how they were quite a defensive team that would get teams on the counter-attack. But now he seems to have switched up to a 3-5-2. Obviously having Luis Suarez in, he's got 21 goals in the league this season. And he's partnered well up with Felix. He's also got, he's got 10 goals this season. And Kieran Trippier became the first Englishman since Mr. David Beckham to win La Liga. He's obviously been named in the provisional 33-man squad as well. So Trippier's obviously had a fantastic season. And yeah, Atletico Madrid, they're obviously a huge rivalry between themselves and Real Madrid within Madrid. And it seems like it was a very, very close league. But they won it. So it's really good to see someone change it up a little bit in the Liga. Like I said, break up that Barcelona-Real Madrid dominancy. And then in the Bundesliga, it finished Bayern Munich, 78 points, 13 points ahead of RB Leipzig, and then Dortmund, and then Wolfsburg, ninth title in a row. So no surprise really for Bayern Munich. They're so dominant in that league. Managed by Hansi Flick, but he's terminating his contract after several disagreements with the sporting director. So I think it's been named a 33-year-old Julian Nagelsmann is named head coach next season, who's currently head coach at RB Leipzig, who finished second. So you think if they're taking the team that got closest to them as manager this season, then is it going to be even bigger gap next season? And obviously the star man has been uh, Lewandowski, second in all-time scorers list in the Bundesliga with 277 goals. He's set a new Bundesliga single-season goals record with 41 goals. He's 32 years old. Messi is 33 years old and Ronaldo is 36 years old. There's a stigma, I suppose, that footballers retire early. But if you look at these three, they're surely showing that actually with age, you seem to be maybe getting better, almost a bit more of a nouse in front of goal. Yeah, no, I might get my boots back out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm not sure about that. Um, but do you think he gets as much recognition as he should? I know Messi and Ronaldo are the names that most kids playing football know. I'm not sure if every kid in every primary school in the UK will know about Lewandowski. No, definitely not. He should get more recognition, I agree. French League won, so again, a bit of an upset. It finished Lille on top with 83 points, only one point ahead of PSG, and then Monaco finished in third. Lille won their title for the fourth time, the nine seasons since they last won it, and prevented PSG winning it for the fourth consecutive season. Uh, they themselves managed by Christopher Galtier, but again, he is leaving. Interesting, there's a lot of managers that are leaving having just won leagues across Europe three years ago since they were almost relegated. So it's been a real great achievement for them. They've won on less than a quarter of PSG's budget. Part of their success was from four former actually PSG players in their squad. Apparently, they've relied on their 21-year-old Canadian forward, David, who scored 13 goals, and 35-year-old Turkish striker, Yilmaz, who scored 16 goals in the league. Yeah, PSG, obviously, they'll be very disappointed. Only a point off to finish in second. Been a bit of a funny year for them, obviously, Pochettino coming in. And you've got they've got some huge names, Mbappe, Neymar, Di Maria. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with them and whether Pochettino stays. But either way, it's a, a real upset from Lille to win that one. And then finally, in the Italian Serie A, you had Inter Milan finishing top, 12 points ahead of Milan themselves. Atalanta finished in third and Juventus finished in fourth. So Juventus 
were 13 points behind the winners Inter Milan and uh, they interrupted yeah Juventus ninth year command of Serie A so it was a huge upset again and at the heart of that success apparently well we've seen him he's been playing really really well Romelu Lukaku not a lone striker anymore obviously for Manchester United he was a bit of a sole striker kind of had to do it on his own but now he seems to form a really good partnership with Martinez and uh, Antonio Conte who's been managed and seems to have really got the best out of him but again it's been announced that he's leaving so he's just won it but now he's leaving Antonio Conte and Ashley Young interestingly lifted the trophy so two ex-Manchester United players that are doing really well there why do you think is it because of Covid and money but there seems to be a lot of managers um, across the board Zinedine Zidane um, like I said the Bayern Munich manager Antonio Conte why are they all leaving when they've just won actual leagues I think it's probably a coincidence that there's a few of them I think I think they do turn managers over quite regularly and some of those big managers they want fresh challenges don't they so especially if you're in a league where you might think you're going to win it every year then um, I think yeah fresh challenges probably um, I suppose on paper it kind of shows that Bundesliga is less competitive than well and Italian Serie A was two comfortable wins which would you think is the uh, most entertaining out of those four leagues would you say Oh, the Spanish League, I think, struck me as being quite exciting this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I would like to watch some more European football, that's for sure. But we've got the Euros coming up, so we'll we'll see it all then. But that's my roundup from, yeah, across those four leagues in Europe. So the National League, well, it's been a great season, actually. Of course, they're welcoming. I'm not sure they'll be that chuffed about going in there, but Southend and Grimsby are going to be playing in the National League next year. So uh, Southend, as we said a couple of weeks ago, first time in over 100 years. So... Uh, They'll grace that league. It's a good quality football, though. Something of champions, obviously. Turkey guaranteed to be in one of the two main playoff places. Of course, they've got this weird playoff thing going on, but two of the teams are in already in the semis, and then the other four play to be in the semis. So Turkey were already in. That left Hartlepool and Stockport playing to get the second automatic playoff place. And, of course, we knew that Kingsley and Barnett were down and Dover packed up a while ago no points of course and um, God bless Dover so Stockport and Hartlepool there were the big ones and uh, they both won so it meant that Stockport who were already in second stayed in second uh, sorry stayed in third rather with Torquay so Stockport uh, won 1-0 at Yeovil uh, Rooney's brother scored and uh, Hartlepool had an easy 4-0 win at home to Weymouth so Stockport stay third so Stockport and Torquay automatically through to the semi-finals uh, which left a few still to be sorted out. Halifax, Chesterfield were both in with a chance. Just short of a thousand fans there at the Shea. One, one half time, but 11 minutes from time. Uh, substitute Nathan Tyson got the winner, uh, which meant that Chesterfield definitely qualified. Notts County, they were already in. They played Bromley, uh, who were trying to get in. And uh, Williamson got a 64th minute winner for Bromley, which meant that they stayed in with Notts County and Chesterfield. In the middle of all that, Wrexham, who were in with a good shout, um, lost, missed out by a point. So all the cash from the Americans and all that famous stuff, they've got to uh, have their um, 14th season, consecutive season in the National League. They were desperate to get out of there, but they've uh, failed to get into the playoffs, unfortunately. So season 14 in a row there. They lost it, sorry, they drew at Dagenham, uh, who had nothing to play for Dagenham and Redbridge. Paul McCallum put Dagenham and Redbridge up in the 51st minute. Uh, Wrexham had a player sent off Paul Rutherford in the 56th minute. They managed to get an equaliser, uh, but 1-1 didn't do anything for them, so they finished a point, point off the playoffs. So that leaves in the playoffs 
Notts County versus Chesterfield. This is in the first round of playoffs, which is a bit weird. Notts County, Chesterfield, two fairly recent league teams, two big teams, actually. So you wouldn't want to call that. That'll be really, really close, I think. Then Hartlepool, Bromley. Hartlepool, had a, you know, they were very strong, had a bit of a poor run towards the end. But there were seven points clear of Bromley. You'd probably fancy Hartlepool there. And you got Torquay and Stockport waiting for them to turn up in this in the real semi-finals. You then got uh, just mentioned one other match, which was a dead rubber, really. Kingsland versus Aldershot. Kingsland already down. Aldershot 15th, nothing to play for. Uh, but it's 4-4, just short of a 1,000 fans watched an eight-goal thriller. Uh, Aldershot 2-0 up, and then it all went backwards and forwards and 4-4. So God bless them, a good match to finish the season for those fans, 881 fans that were able to get in. So... So still some exciting times ahead with the playoffs and then the other playoffs in the National League. Brave this week. Well, I've gone for, there's been a bit of chat, but actually I think Gareth Southgate's 33-man provisional squad, I think he's doing a good job. I'm overall pretty happy with the team, the names that he's announced. I know 33 is a lot, so he probably can't do too much wrong at the moment. It's when he has to do, I think it's on the 1st of June, very soon he's got to trim it down to 26 players. But overall, I think he's managing the situation really well. We always know that Gareth Southgate is going to give a lot of time to the younger players. He doesn't really go for experience depending on who it is. There's been a bit of chat about the two Bens getting in the squad. Obviously, Ben Godfrey and Ben White and no Eric Dyer. Well, yeah, I'm not complaining about that. I think Eric Dyer's had his opportunity with Spurs this season. He's not done that well. He's not had a great season. Whereas, you know, both Ben Godfrey and Ben White have been starting regularly for Everton and Brighton they've had good seasons they're both very adaptable I think with injuries especially with Maguire it's a bit unknown at the moment in defence so I think he's probably just gone for people that are a bit more flexible so yeah I just think interestingly he's gone for Jude Bellingham 17 year old midfielder who's playing with Jaden Sancho actually at Borussia Dortmund He's never held back, really, on picking Jadon Sancho. Southgate seems to really favour him. Again, I don't watch enough of Jadon Sancho play to know fully what he's like. But when I've seen him in England shirt, he's never really stood out for me. What about you for Jadon Sancho? Uh, Whenever I've seen him, I think, you know, is he anything as good as Ford? And I don't, I've not seen anything Mm -hmm. that looks remotely like Ford, to be fair. Obviously, he's gone for the moment Ollie Watkins, Calvert-Lewin. Can't imagine they'd both be when he trimmed down the squad. Over Bamford, a couple of people raising that. I think that's a good decision. Obviously, Bamford's done fantastic for Leeds, but he's not actually, I think, had any England caps. Um, and for me, I would personally pick Watkins or Calvert-Lewin ahead of them. What are you saying about that one? Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think probably if he's going to take one of them out, he'll leave Calvert-Lewin in, I imagine. Yep. Yeah, that'll be an interesting one either way. So yeah, that's my rave. I think Gareth Southgate's doing a good job. Fingers crossed. It continues into the Euros, which is exciting. Uh, my rave's about Gary Lineker and just a uh, quite an interesting piece to read that um, obviously he's a big uh, Leicester fan. He played for them. You know, he scored a lot of goals for them. He's followed them ever since. Famously, he was you know very excited when they won the uh, when they won the Premier League, of course, a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, in his underpants on much of the day. In his underpants on much of the day. So yeah, so he's. Um, He's turned down the chance to um, commentate or to host the programmes for next year's uh, Europa League. Uh, I'm not, I mean, he doesn't need the cash, of course, but mm-hmm. uh, he's done that because he wants to uh, take his sons and go and watch uh, the away matches and the home matches, I'm assuming. So Gary Lineker and his uh, kids will be wandering around Europe, going to all these exciting places, watching uh, 
Leicester City hopefully progress through the Europa Cup and hopefully win it. So sounded like a really nice story, a really good yeah. uh, adventure. And uh, yeah, they'll all have a great time and uh, he'll stand in, um, he'll probably end up standing in the terraces with the rest of the guys as well. So that'd be brilliant. Barnet of the week. Well, I've done a lot about Europe this week and you can see a lot of great Barnets in the European leagues. And I've gone for the Atletico Madrid manager, Diego Simeone. He's quite the character. I think he's almost like Tuchel on the sideline. Very um, expressive. That's one way of putting it. But I've noticed that over the years, he's definitely let his hair go a little bit crazier. He's kind of got curly locks now. He used to go for the like grease slick back look, whereas now he keeps it nice and trimmed at the sides and he's got some quite curly locks. There's been a lot of speculation as to whether some of that hair might have miraculously grown a little bit more over the years, which is fair enough if he has had something that allows his hair to grow a little bit more because uh, I think it's looking great. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing where his barnet continues to go. And I should say that um, I've probably put the dishwasher on at the wrong time, Dad, haven't I? Because it seems yeah, to be so, gurgling a fair bit during this podcast but um, my stomach no it isn't I just want to clarify that so uh, yeah that's my um, barnet of the week what about you well I'll stick with Europe and Conte because uh, okay. I mean he, he's a proper typical Mediterranean jet black hair and yeah. you know, he always looks uh, like he's ready to go to a five-star restaurant and eat something mm-hmm. really nice so yeah I think we'll stick with Europe and I'll go for uh, Conte ones to watch so I've just going to pick out some of the international friendlies, of course, England's two matches. Midweek, Wednesday, 8pm, they're against Austria. Last two times they've played them was in 2005 and 2007. On both occasions, they won 1-0. And then also the other friendly is Sunday at 5pm, England versus Romania. Very interestingly, we haven't won in the last seven matches against Romania However, the last time we did play them was in 2000. I looked at both Austria and Romania squad and I didn't recognise any names from England at all. So there won't be too many players I can imagine that I don't really, that I know at all. But at the same time, I suppose these friendlies, do you agree with them? I suppose these players, surely they're getting enough pitch time in their own leagues in their own countries. Now we're having friendlies to lead up to the Euros. Is that actually worth it? You might do one just to get, you know, if you're going to put your team, first team out to play together. But Two? No, somebody will get interested. Uh, sorry, somebody injured. will get injured, I'm sure. Yeah, that'll be a manager's nightmare as well. So those are my ones to watch for the international friendlies. And yeah, just going back to those, so you've got two teams already through to the proper playoffs. Torquay Stockport waiting for the winners from Notts County, Chesterfield. Hartlepool, Bromley. I think the Notts County, Chesterfield match will be particularly, uh, that'll be particularly spicy and... Uh, That'd be one worth watching. Not sure if it's on the telly, hopefully. I think they'll probably all be on the telly, actually. So I look yeah, forward to okay. that. Right, that's it for this week of Football Chance and Rants with the Plants. We've had a good roundup as well as looked across to Europe, as well as our ones to watch. We will be back with some more next week, and we'll see you then. <laughs>